0: Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's
1: so stupid. Comedy History
2: 101. Right, nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you gotta see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Oh,
0: I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. I Oh, maybe that's what I said. This is 14 years ago. He still, they didn't do a retraction. Oh, oh,
1: oh. Yeah. Wait. What, what did we just hear there, Scott?
2: Oh, that was, that was, well, unfortunately. He wasn't a president when he did that, but now he's a president. So that was a president um, mocking a disabled reporter.
1: And, and uh, I'm sure everyone's seen the clip. And how, how, wh- what's his physicality like when he, he's doing
2: such? He's making, like, um, challenged faces, and he's doing, like, a challenged hand gesture.
1: Yeah, so what you just heard there was um, our president, Donald J. Trump, attempting humor by mocking a disabled reporter at at one of his rallies. And, of course, you've tuned in to another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am Harmon Leon, and with me, as always, is Scott Colonico, how are you, Scott?
2: I'm good, Harmon. I'm uh, just kind of got a little uh, bit, a little bit stuffy, but other than that, I'm pretty good. Oh, you get a little bit
1: stuffy? Okay. Yeah. That that, that there there you go. I don't know. Is that a German thing?
2: No, the I stuffy know. Stuffiness is that an Oktoberfest thing? They can probably hear it hear it over the radio. Too many too many pretzels. Too many pretzels. Yeah. <laughs> ah. well, as they say, but as they say over here, bratels. That's the weird thing.
1: Oh, and, and and what they say, what you think would be uh, uh, Werner Herzog, but it's actually Werner Herzog.
2: Yeah, the, the Zs <laughs> or Ws over here. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. No, Ws or Vs. That's the other way.
1: Then what about a VW?
2: Not, no, it's a FAUVE. That's, not, that's the, what it's called. No, that's a car. Yeah. Is that right? Was that right? FAUVE? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a German fact checker over here. Yeah, it's called FAUVE. That's, like that's VW right. It's a VW in German.
1: Okay, anyway, it's a little off-base, but the topic today is the history of the humor of Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump as a purveyor of jokes and his sense of humor within the White House. So it's kind of, we're not going back to like, say... The '70s, when he was taking out full-page ads in, in in all the New York papers to ask for the death penalty of uh, you know teenagers that were laterly exonerated for, for for a crime they didn't commit. No, we, we forgot. We forgot. But about I think that. But that's not really a sense of humor <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, we're we're basically focusing on the history of humor in the Trump White House. Scott, what's your take on, on, on Donald J. Trump as a purveyor? Of I don't think
2: there's a, well, I mean, if you want to get right, don't think there's a whole lot of humor in the Trump White, White House right now. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit on the uh, correspondence dinner, and I've been doing some research, and I think we kind of both came to the same thing where, like, the problem with Mr. Trump, Mr. President, as, you know, I'll go ahead and say it, the uh-huh. problem with him is he, he, doesn't, he can't take a ribbon. And like for example, I watched I watched a re- I watched a really good clip of, you know, as much as I don't like President War Criminal George Bush the Second, um, he actually could like he could take a ribbon and he was really good with like being the I'm the dumb president who who misspeaks a lot of times and he could actually he was actually pretty funny when he would do it.
1: Yeah, and there's this clip, and actually, my friend, wrote for the White House Correspondents' Dinner uh, where this happened, where, uh, and this so got overshadowed by uh, Stephen Colbert's great hosting of the event that year, where, where George W. Bush was on stage with a George W. Bush doppelganger impersonator, and they did, like, dueling Bushes. Members of the White House Correspondents' Association... Distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, here I am. It was really funny. And my friend uh, who wrote jokes for that dinner will attest that that George W. Bush was one of in in politics aside, was one of our uh, most naturally funny uh, presidents as far as just being able to sell a joke.
2: I think he he he's got a personality, and he can play up to the personality. And does it well? I think Obama did that as well, uh, but Obama wasn't as much of a war criminal as George Bush was.
1: Absolutely, you're 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 right on track there, and, it, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's really interesting. Uh, you know, the, the, the take on, on 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 George or the take on Trump. As a purveyor of jokes of humor coming from the White House is recently, um, I did a story for the New York Observer where I interviewed David Litt who um, uh, he's now the head of Funny or Die, Washington D.C. But at the time, uh, for like White House correspondence dinners, um, he was Obama's head joke writer. So you know he knows the insides of uh, humor in the White House and 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 the ability. To write for presidents and he had some very interesting takes on, on on the sense of humor that is coming out of the White House in, in the in, in this new era of what would you call this era? How would you describe it?
2: Trump. Trump.
1: Yeah, so he was the head joke writer for when Obama was in the White House for like the White House Correspondence Dinner. And now he's actually written a new book about it. It's called Thanks, Obama, My Hopey Changey White House Years, which you should check out on Amazon or any place you can buy books other than Amazon as well.
2: <laughs>
1: but like I said, um, so I interviewed him for uh, the New York Observer uh, on his take on Trump uh, in the White House as, as, as a slayer of jokes and he had some interesting uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, insights into that what's interesting is
0: President Trump has a sense of humor um, I, I draw a distinction because I think some people point out that he never laughs in public and so say he doesn't have a sense of humor um, I think those are different uh, I think President Trump has a sense of humor I think it's a very classic bully's sense of humor Right, like in the sense that the, um, you know, whatever the kid giving a wedgie to some other kid on the playground is doing something that is amusing or entertaining uh, to onlookers, but it's not necessarily like a well-crafted joke, um, and it's sort of I- inevitably looking for the. It, it's using humor as a constant. Um, sorry, word. It's like a constant. Uh, Sort of way of asserting status, right? So, so humor becomes this uh, this tool to uh, remind people that you're the dominant one in the room or in the space. And sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, you know, so for example, like um, you know, he retweeted that uh, video someone mashed up of like Trump hitting a golf ball and then the golf ball hits Hillary Clinton in the back and she falls down. Um, you know, like. That is reflecting a sense of humor, but I think it's um, a pretty it – it is a departure from past presidents where, you know, the idea of humor was to sort of uh, show how open and, and warm you are as opposed to show how uh, dominant you are.
1: Scott, what is your take on that? <laughs> That's a
2: yeah. – i mean it's it's like you know you know want the you want as a president you want to be warm and stuff and that's and that's good Whoops, sorry, I wasn't there in front of the microphone, yeah, as a president, you want to be a warm be perceived that way, you know I think that's you know that's that's a definite uh something you're trying to get across you know and and when you're dealing with someone like Trump that might be a little more difficult.
1: Yeah, but I think, like, what he was saying is, um, you know, and it's so obvious, is that his humor is, like, the the total adage of of humor is you should always punch uh, up, not punch down, and whatever is perceived as his sense of humor it's all punching down. It's all coming from a place of above to show that he's the one in charge, that he's the authority. So again, you know, we have that where he's mocking disabled reporters, um, just last week or two weeks ago uh, he was mocking Dr. Ford at one of his rallies who went on at the hearings uh, you know and it's just all this I think part of the humor of Trump is like oh no he's, he's not saying what I think he's saying and it's not to me it's not a sense of humor I mean I guess it is but it's like being the bullies and laughing amongst it, you know, he makes his his, his uh, you know his rally crowds laugh. But if you break it down, uh, it, it it doesn't apply to any like much like everything else in the Trump White House, it doesn't apply to any conventional laws of of, of humor because it's all no just, no it,
2: it's it's well yeah no it, it's just it's it's the mocking it's the the punching down it's the making fun of other people who aren't in on the you know it's just it's not a nice. Kind of, it's not a nice kind of comedy.
1: So there is a sense of humor in the White House. But but the thing is, is like, you know, self-deprecating seems to be completely off limits. So if you go back to, say, one of our episodes on the Comedy Central roast of Donald Trump is like it was off limits to joke about how much money he actually has. Um, they had to negotiate to make jokes about his hair, only if, you know, they could also put a bragging of how much money he has in the bank, mm-hmm. which wasn't even true. So yeah, but something, something interesting I found is like when, when Trump jokes, uh, well, not even jokes, but like when he, he says these like asinine statements, like he'll be giving a speech in front of a group of, uh, police officers. And then he'll make a joke of like when they arrest somebody that, you know, Maybe you shouldn't be so nice to them, you know, and he's, you know, at a time when, uh, um, you know, there's, you know, uh, know, like African-Americans being basically killed by police officers, you know, and he's making jokes that the police shouldn't be nice in their treatment of, uh, uh, you know, a suspect at the time, you know, that they're, they're arresting. And then always his handlers have to come back and, and like your Kellyanne Conway's and go... You know, uh, that was a joke. He was joking.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just it's it's them covering up for him, and then it, it's it's that thing that we talked about. Where like people just like, love the fact that he's off limits. He's draining the swamp. You know, he's saying what's on his mind, and that's that's the thing that that people are are find quote funny un unquote funny.
1: Yeah, but, and, and, and you know, again, David Litt had some interesting thoughts on that.
0: There was never a time when Barack Obama said something and we said, oh, actually, he was joking. I, I forget, you'd have to look it up, but I don't know if you know Mike Verbiglia, the comedian.
1: Yeah.
0: He, uh, yeah, in his um, special Thank God for Jokes, he talks about, like, how, you know, people say, like, we will say something that's, like, just disgusting and then say oh just joking is if that makes it better it's not like if you have I'm again paraphrasing it's basically saying if you have to say just joking it's not a joke right um so you know I think what uh the I think I I I don't really take that sort of um defense very seriously particularly because generally it's there's never a moment when there's no pause for laugh right like these are not moments when it is apparent to anybody, including the presidential staff, that this is a joke, before there's a
2: controversy. Right. So what they're really saying is you should
0: be selective in which come statements from the president you take seriously, and you should let us make those decisions well after the fact, not like 15 minutes, but like days after the fact of what the president was saying that you should take seriously and what you should not. Um, which would be very convenient, but that's not how the world works. Right. Uh, not just politically, but also, like, other countries have to make decisions based on what the president says. Um, you know, businesses make decisions based on what the president says. So, uh, you know, and citizens decide whether or not their rights are in jeopardy based on what the president says. So, it, it, that idea, I think, is um, I just don't really take that line of, of argument very seriously. Um, this isn't, I wouldn't say quite a lie, but it's kind of like it's one of those things that just says we don't really care, right? Like in other words, it would be like um, you know, imagine if this odd thing about just joking is saying like, oh, it's on you that you didn't get it. Mm. But, if, but imagine saying like, oh, when you know, whatever, Reagan said Mr. Gorbachev should tear down this wall Imagine if an advisor a week later had said, "Oh, he didn't mean it," and that's all they're saying. It's just like, "Oh, what was in his head was that this isn't real. This isn't actually like this, everything up till now was a thing the president was saying, but these words weren't actually. They don't count, and no one would take that seriously. And no one should."
1: But uh, that, I mean, that's such an amazing point. I mean, because it's just like um, you know, we've seen his spin doctors come in, and and he'll say something horrible. And then their spin is like it was a joke. He was joking. Or Kellyanne Conway will go, you know, Washington D.C. has no sense of humor. But again, it's just like it's like who they're the ones to dictate to say this was a joke or not a joke, and it's on you because he didn't get the joke.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's just like total spinning, you know. Just like going back through and watching some of this stuff was. Uh interesting you know if you if you see like well you know reagan reagan was an actor you know and mm-hmm. so to see him actually genuinely be kind of off the cuff funny um it's pretty good you know he, he actually had a a way where you could go you know oh that's him but he, but he did have that one instance where he did make that off the cuff joke about the um missile starting to fall
1: <laughs> no what was that
2: Oh, you don't remember that one? Okay. No, no. We'll, we'll
1: yeah, I know. We'll find the clip. Was, and we'll drop it in. Yeah. Like, what was that what was, was it?
2: Yeah, you'll you you can find it during a mic test. Uh, he gets on the air, and um, Reagan says, uh, "I just signed a law declaring the Soviet Union illegal. The missiles begin dropping in five minutes."
1: So that was that was like a total ad lib.
2: Yeah, it was <laughs> an ad lib. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, ouch. But but the interesting point about that is, and and I think it's the main point of of what that is, is um, if well, first of all, if you have to explain a joke, then it's not a joke. (laughs) if, if, If everyone thinks it's serious and then you have to have a press conference to declare that it was a joke it it kind of wasn't a joke, but, but, but yeah. what you're saying is or what they're saying is like his spin doctors is like, if you have to come back and say that was a joke, that portion there, everything up to there wasn't a joke, but that bit was, it was a joke. So you shouldn't take that bit serious. But in a way, if you have to explain it, then you think, well, is everything he says is a joke until we're told otherwise?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's (laughs) it's it's yeah, it's all a joke, dude.
1: One thing I always wonder is, uh, you know, does Trump write his own material? Is he ad libbing or is it like Stephen Miller writing all the jokes uh, uh, for his speeches? You know, because, again, it's like the sense of humor. Of a president, it's supposed to show your your human side and, and you connect with people through humor. And well, obviously, he connects with his supporters by punching down in that sort of sense of humor because they always seem to be busting up at, you know, mocking a disabled reporter or a sexual assault uh, 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 victim. And they always think that's funny. So again, it's like playing your crowd. Uh, but do you think he writes his own jokes? Uh, that that was like one of the questions. <laughs>
0: you know, I have no idea. He hasn't done a lot of these events, right? Like he skipped the Correspondence Center. He went to the Gridiron and told some jokes that his staff had, or someone had clearly written. I don't know if they were his staff or somebody else. I don't know if you've spoken to a guy named Landon Parvin, who I don't know personally. But who has apparently done all of the jokes for the Bushes since time immemorial. I don't know whether he's doing Trump's jokes. Maybe there's some animosity there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could be somebody. I don't. I, I, they don't have a ton of people, um, and I don't know if they have someone who's kind of a dedicated joke writer. I would say that just from the... And I'm trying to be objective here, you know, and, and not as a, as a partisan, but as a joke writer. I would say that the jokes did not... I didn't think, oh, my gosh, they must have a professional doing that. Um, But I also didn't think he must be doing all that himself. Um, The Al Smith dinner in 2016 was very interesting because the first page, there were about five or six jokes that clearly someone had written, one or two of which were actually quite good. And then, uh, then it totally went off the rails and you got the sense that he was kind of either ad-libbing or reading setups and thinking, well, I can do the punchline better and, and was
1: wrong. Yeah, so I think what he's saying is Trump uses, uh, he, he goes more for being off page. I, I think, as you see, like when he's doing any other speech, when it's like he has to read right from the, the teleprompter, he always just looks so tense. But when he gets to go freeform, like in his rallies, you know, that's, that's him in his element.
2: Yeah, and he and it's and it's horrible. I and mean, we we kind of talked about this in the, um, I mean, it it's you know to watch him or listen to him, it's horrible. But the people in the rallies love it. But then we talked about this too on that episode where he was like writing on the 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 way we did the uh, Comedy Central roast with right. Trump when he was talking about it. he was like writing you know he was like rechanging the punch or he was just changing the punchlines to jokes to where they weren't funny. But that was his thing because he just thought he was that much funnier.
1: Yeah, I think on that Comedy Central roast thing, he would actually he would keep the joke intact, except he would cross out the punchline.
2: Yeah, that was the, <laughs> that was the thing that we had. People would have the um, they had the actual. Somebody had kept their notes or whatever. Where his actual yeah. his, the script was his actual, his actual like you know his, his uh, notations in there.
1: Yeah, so I asked David Litt if he thinks that uh, for the most part, uh, you know, he goes free form and, and, and whether or not he's ad-libbing. And, and this is the response I got. I, I I would have to assume. I mean,
0: I don't know if you looked at that. Does it, does it look written down to you? I don't think so.
1: That's a good point. Does it look written down to you? <laughs> when do you think like he wrote down, you know, when it was time to uh, mock the re- the disabled reporter or Dr. Ford? Do you think that like, you know, Stephen Miller is writing that down for for to pop up on the teleprompter?
2: Yeah, no. I think that's all just just normal Trump. I think you know, probably what we what we see at his rallies is probably 90% normal Trump. You know, which is why he always makes the news when he does the crazy talking about Studio 54 and he's at the Boy Scouts rally and all that other stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Where he's just like, you guys <laughs> yeah. could get drunk, not too much. I, what was that one?
2: Yeah, no, it was just he's making, like some know.
1: sexual anti or yeah, something. He was talking about
2: going to parties during the 80s or something.
1: Yeah. What? What? I know. I know. So, I mean, I guess sort of just to bring this all around, uh, l- l- let's just hear some final thoughts uh, that that uh, David Litt had on uh, on Trump and, and his sense of humor in, in in the White House.
0: One is, I think the fact that he doesn't laugh matters. Um, I think it's a very strange thing, and I don't one hundred percent know what it means. But like, if you Went to a doctor, and the doctor never laughed or really smiled. It would be you would feel uncomfortable around that doctor. The fact that we have a president who doesn't laugh is not a good thing. I can't tell you exactly the contours of its badness, but I, I can promise you it's not good, um, and it's very notable. Right. Uh, and it's not just that he can't laugh at himself; he just doesn't seem to laugh that much. Except sometimes, if someone is uh, attacking an opponent of his in a disrespectful way. And to get back to what we were talking about bullying, I think for Trump, his sense of humor is very much about um, who can I publicly disrespect. Right. And a display of public disrespect and getting away with it is, is joyful in a weird way. And I think that is what people are responding to with laughter. Um, it's just, you know, I wouldn't call it a joke, but it's a different type of humor that's based on this idea of, you know, the rule that we're breaking is that we're supposed to treat these people with some basic decency and I'm uh, flouting the fact that I can get away with breaking that rule. Right. Um, the uh, the other thing I would say is um, with Trump as a joke teller, I just think it's very notable that he hasn't gone to the White House correspondence Centers because I think he clearly, that audience of people, um, you know, is from D.C. journalist, uh, you know, a New York journalist, it's Washington VIPs, and Hollywood celebrities, or at least it traditionally was. And so I actually think, you know, that that's the group of people Donald Trump has spent his entire life hoping to impress. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a weird uh, irony to the fact that he became president, I think, in, in large part because he thought that that would finally make him part of elite society, um, and has realized since then that you know, he's not capable of winning over the people that he's historically spent his whole life caring about uh, more than anyone else. And so I think there is, you know, it would be, um, if it was someone else, it would look tragic and sort of, uh, you know, and inspire some sympathy. As it is, I, you know, I can't say that I spend a lot of time losing sleep
2: over it, but Right. Yeah, I mean, I think he's right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like yeah, it's it's like it's like the people that Trump has been trying to appeal to his whole life. He's not getting, but these other people are like 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 getting him, and he just, I mean, like you know, when you when you break it down, he's just kind of a, uh, he's a Brooklyn boy. They're from Brooklyn, right? Queens. Queens, Queens. He's like a Queens boy trying to. To make it big, and he's been trying to kind of do that his whole life, you know, and he's still kind of. What do you mean, like
1: trying to make it big, dude? I read that that article that came out in, uh, uh, I think it was New York Times. Was see when he was eight, he was already worth, he already had a million in the bank thanks to his dad. No, no,
2: no, 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 but I, I think the thing is, he thinks he's that person. Like he doesn't like. I, I I read that article. Yeah, he was like a million. He was getting a million dollars every year for his life. You know, he thinks he's that person. You know, and so he, he, so in
1: his, his mind of how he or any social path processes information, the story that he sort of built for himself suddenly becomes his reality.
2: Yeah, that's that's his. That's how reality. social paths Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why, and that's why he he, and then you know that's why again why he, you know those the 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 working class people like to identify with him because he's like you know he's on their side and he's one of them and and uh, that thing that kind of happened again. Earlier, but also, just interesting thought, thought of yeah,
1: yeah, um, just how he never laughs. Like the only time I've, I've seen him laugh, like in recent times, was I don't know. I didn't see. Do did you see the Kanye interview?
2: I heard stuff. Was there was, about there, it? was there
1: laughing involved in that? But the only oh time God, I recently no. saw him laugh was uh, when he gave the UN speech, and everyone started laughing at him.
2: No, we've yeah, and yeah, then
1: we, he we, went expecting yeah. a different response, and, no, and he it, laughed.
2: And then he, yeah, you could tell he's genuinely laughing, but I think he's laughing more in shock to, like, make it appear that he's not an idiot. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, of course that was a joke. Ha, ha, ha,
1: ha. Yeah, so anyways, uh, my buddy Joel, who's a photographer, was at the UN that day and was in the room uh, when Trump gave that speech. And, you know, Trump tried to spin it of, like, it's the fake news, taking it out of context. But... Uh, Joel said it was, nope, they were just simply all laughing at him.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I, there was an article actually in the Times today where it was talking, they were talking to a couple, you know, kind of middle class people and, uh-huh. you know, people who didn't want to admit that they wanted to vote for Trump and they voted for him. They're going, okay, well, you know, things are, wor- you know, their taxes are lower, which I guess, all right, I mean,. I could see that. I mean, I I just I'd never recall. I haven't been there on those shores in a while, but I've never recalled like having a president go in all of a sudden. My taxes being lower all of a sudden, but I guess <laughs> I'm not in the target bracket. I guess.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you're filthy rich and you know you're paying you know tens of thousands of dollars plus a year. And suddenly you're saving that amount of money, you would think, yeah, that's a good thing. But, you know, is it benefiting the, the common good? You know, it's just kind of a, a selfish, you know, not looking at the whole community of uh, Americans as a whole.
2: No, I mean, it, it, it's like, going, OK, we're going to give these these guys a break. Um, there be there, you know, there might be some infrastructure that we need to fix, but no, it's better that these guys have a break first. So,
1: yeah. So in general, um, uh, so David Litt wrote for Obama, and Obama, of course, you know, one of our funniest presidents uh, in recent history. I don't know who was funnier. Was JFK funny? Sort of, but no, he wasn't. Watch. He wasn't as funny as uh, like off the cuff as Obama, because Obama had the double of just being able to. Do a great ad lib, but also deliver great material with
2: great timing. Kennedy was actually pretty good. I mean, actually, we'll um, get into into de- into depth on this on this as a president, but uh, he like would do the same thing at press conferences, and he was like kind of one of the first people. I mean, when you're doing you're doing a press conference and you're giving an answer right off the cuff, and it was they were pretty funny. I mean, you watch them now, you go, okay, mm-hmm. that was pretty funny. So, you know, he, he had a pretty good—he was pretty deft himself.
1: Yeah, so, so the question is, uh, you know, if offered, like, uh, an opportunity to write for the current president, uh, would, would Obama's, you know, head joke writer, would, would he take that job?
0: I, don't know, I, I mean, I just wouldn't do
1: it. You know, I,
0: I think that for a president, telling jokes is—it's uh, not the most important thing they do politically, but it's the reason that presidents try to be funny— Is because it it helps them uh, accomplish their agenda, and it helps them convince the American people that they're doing a good job and that they have the right set of sort of values and priorities, or they wouldn't do it. Um, And so, you know, I, I just I think it's impossible to separate the president from the from the you know from a president's words, and that's true with jokes just as much as it's true with any more serious statement. I'm sure that Donald Trump is not an easy person to write speeches for, but I don't think you can separate it. You know, I, you you can if you write jokes for a celebrity, and they're hard to work with. You can sort of separate the the act of writing from the person you're writing for. I just don't think that's possible when it's the president. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the question itself is just it um, kind of uh, you know I, I see what you're saying, and I'm sure that it would be. I'm sure that like, is he going to use all the punchlines that someone writes for him? No, and I'm sure the joke writers are frustrated by that. But it seems so completely irrelevant, based in the you know in the context of like who this person is and the fact that he's president. Um, and and this is also you know the thing that I would say about joke writing for presidents is that uh, part of the joke for is always that it's the president telling a joke. Um, and you you can't separate the the written words on the page from the fact fact that the person delivering those words is pressed. Right, it's, it's just not. Um, it doesn't
1: work. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, yeah, I mean, part of the joke when when a president is being funny uh, or is at like a White House correspondence dinner is that part of the joke is it's the president doing the joke. Like Obama when he did the drop the mic sort of thing that. That joke's based upon that it's Obama dropping the mic, that it's the president that's doing it. So, you know, again, it's like not – there's just that level of here's the president uh, doing the joke. And in the case of Trump and his sense of humor, it's like here's the president – saying this very inappropriate thing and mocking this person in this public forum and it's coming from the president and that's why i think he gets those laughs from his uh uh base of supporters at his rallies
2: yeah i mean i, I don't think i think the um i don't think he even needs jokes at the rallies i think that you know him just being trump is enough
1: yeah i mean but he gets And again, it's like playing your audience. So again, and and playing your audience and not playing your audience. So um, at his rallies, he gets the laughs. But when it's like outside of his fan base, like say at that Al Smith dinner where uh, Hillary was also on the bill. And like one of his jokes or attempt at jokes is probably an ad lib. Just sort of ended with and Hillary hates Catholics.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. so 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 if he would have done that in front of his uh you know rabid you know base of supporters, he would have got a big laugh. He did that where it's not his base of supporters were part of like in Trump's you know uh, joke formulating mind, thinking he's read the crowd is is thinking that's enough. That 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 the the point of the that joke is it's so inappropriate, and I'm just so publicly mocking this person where it's normally not a president who stoops that low to to do that type of humor you know it, it got booze so yeah. I think if he would have delivered it for you know again he misread the room if he would have done it for his base, he would have gotten the same amount of a big laughter when you know he mocked Dr. Ford and got
2: big laughs right yeah yeah I mean he knows his audience.
1: That's right so any other takeaways on on your part Scott as uh you know, the history of Trump as a joke purveyor as as the humor coming from the White House
2: yeah, so what's, what's the, what's, what's, the uh, what's the title of our episode again
1: uh the history of uh, the humor of Donald Trump in the White House, I think.
2: Okay, Something well, like. I think the history, not a whole lot of history there. I think it could be a very short little pamphlet that we, we could consult. Um, I don't think he cares much for speech writers. I think he kind of does his own thing. Um, don't think any of his stuff has really been that funny. I think he's kind of a bully, and it's a little scary to watch him talk.
1: Yeah, I again, I think he thinks he's better than the joke writers. Like, as we proved on the episode about the Comedy Central roast, he he goes freeform off the page because I think, like, in that Al Smith dinner, he thought, uh, you know, he had a couple of constructed jokes that, uh, you know, joke writers wrote. But then probably in his Trump mind, he thought, you know, I can do better than this. And then, you know, came up with ad libs like Hillary hates Catholics. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> At the Al Smith dinner' cause like yeah Smith, charity, was, charity dinner yeah that that was kind of, was that the the political al Smith
1: yeah I mean it's a it's a Catholic charity
2: exactly that's the deal that was like okay <laughs>
1: yeah let's 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 have some warm ribbing and uh you know make it all about himself. In the end, yeah, <laughs>
2: and the, the charity that you're there for. Okay, buddy. All right, that's right.
1: So, anyways, that's 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 our episode on the history of uh, the humor of Donald Trump in the White House. And with that, it's now time to plug away. Scott, do you have anything you'd like to plug?
2: Oh, hey, Harmon. Well, thank you. Yes, I do. Just got a couple of uh, films coming up. I'm very excited about this. So I've got a couple of premieres of uh, two short films. I have one short film that will be premiering at the Hilava. Uh, International Documentary Film Festival in the Czech Republic uh, in just a couple weeks time, and also another one, a new movie that I think will be pretty funny, as opposed to the one in Kilava, which is a good movie but not funny. <laughs> um, this one is uh, everything you've ever wanted to know about sudden birth, but were afraid to ask, and it's a uh, short about one of the worst police training films of all time, and that'll be premiering at the. Uh, Cur- the International Winterthur Third Kurt Film Taga Film Festival in uh, Switzerland in November. Oh, just
1: a side note. That sounds like um, that's a whole other episode. The it's history of the hit. worst police trading film of all time.
2: Okay. All right. Fair enough.
1: Double plug for you there. <laughs> <laughs> I have my show uh, Tale this Thursday at the Red Room above the KGB bar. It's the finest in New York storytelling. 8 p.m. at the Red Room above the KGB bar. You can find out more at facebook.com slash tail.nyc. My my interview with uh, David Litt will appear in the New York Observer. Uh, I believe it'll be coming out uh, tomorrow. Monday, we will post a link on it on our site, wordsoverchair.com, where you can check out all our past episodes of Comedy History 101. And just want to thank uh, David Litt. Uh, uh, we used uh, some audio when I interviewed him for the New York Observer. Uh, be sure to check out his book, Thanks, Obama, My Hopi-Changy White House Years. And with that, thanks a lot for tuning in and bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Hello. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's
1: so stupid. Comedy History 101.